Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I am your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, and I am joined by my phenomenal co-host, Bill DeFilippo. Bill, Blue White Weekend is in the rearview mirror. How are we feeling? Uh, not as good as you, because you actually got to go up to Happy Valley this weekend and spend a weekend doing uh, blue-white game things. But uh, otherwise, yeah, uh, can't, uh, can't complain. How about yourself? How, let, let, let the people know how, how going up to Happy Valley was for Matt Filipovitz this weekend. So going up was fine. I flew direct from Chicago to Pittsburgh, but the Frank O'Hara statue either wasn't there or I'm an idiot and I couldn't find it. Um, I don't know if there's like construction going on, um, but that drive from Pittsburgh to State College was really easy. Um, but the drive from State College to Chicago on Sunday afternoon was something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. It was so boring. It was so rainy. Uh, but I did stop and I got uh, Airheads Extremes like a nine-year-old at a gas station in Indiana. So that was exciting. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I'm So... As people who have made drives across the Midwest of this country know, uh, the two ways that you could potentially do it are you take 80 to 90, which basically brings you beneath Cleveland and then like it's Toledo, South Bend, Chicago, which is probably the quicker drive for you. Or there's the way where you take 99 to 70 uh, and then up from Indianapolis. But at least there you could break it up a little bit with Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Indianapolis. So uh, I, my, it, it is my expert belief that you messed up on that one. But, hey, you live and you learn. We got there quicker, so that's all I can ask for. And, Bill, I was very glad to be back in State College yeah. because the Blue-White game is an incredibly weird event. It's yeah. sometimes a competitive scrimmage. It's sometimes uh, hosts cool moments where walk-ons get to shine. Uh, and sometimes it's what it was this past Saturday where it was the first-team defense looking absolutely dominant and Penn State's offense proving it still has a ways to go. So, Bill, I know you watched the replay of the game earlier today or yesterday. When did you first watch? Yeah. Uh, I got a chance to watch it yesterday. Okay. Bill, and let's let's just dive right in. We'll go offense and defense. It, again, it, they kind of split it up. The blue team was pretty much the ones with a few exceptions. Um, and the white team was basically the twos, again, with a few exceptions. And, Bill... What were some of your big, broad takeaways from this game? Just start big picture, and then we can dive into offense and defense and get a little bit more specific. Yeah, I, I, I think the obvious one is that, you know, it's kind of what I'd say the thing you expect the spring game to be, especially for a team like Penn State, where they have to replace Sean Clifford they have to replace Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. They have to replace Brenton Strange along the offensive line. Uh, they have to replace their most important guy up there uh, in Juice Scruggs. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the football, yes, they have to replace P.J. Mustafer. Yes, they have to replace Tate Brown and Joey Porter Jr. But it's they brought more back, I would say, on defense. And I think we saw that throughout the game. And it's something that we, again, should have expected, which is that Penn State's defense, I think, right now is considerably farther ahead than Penn State's offense. Penn State's defense just looked a lot more comfortable out there, a lot more uh, dominant out there, whatever you want to say. Uh, 
than the off either offense did. You know, you kind of throw out what the white offense did because uh, I don't necessarily think that team was set up to succeed uh, so much as it was meant to be something for the first team defense to go up against. But even with the blue offense going up against the white defense, yes, 284 total yards, didn't have a ton running the football, only had that one touchdown. Drew Auer, I think, he was all right, not great, not terrible. He, he was fine. But I generally think, Matt, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, it seemed to me like if the West Virginia game was tomorrow, I'd be really concerned about what the offense is going to end up doing. And we could talk about why throughout the course of the pod, but Penn state's defense looks like it's going to be a top five, top 10 defense of the country. And they, even though they have to replace some important guys, it doesn't look like going into spring uh, coming out of spring. They've missed a beat. The defense, I think on, on both sides of the ball, both the both sides of the ball, both teams, both the blue and the white team looked like they had fun. Like the entire time out there, I think, a lot of different guys got to fly around, which I think makes things really interesting and, and really cool and really fun. You made the point that you'd be a bit concerned about the offense if the season started tomorrow. Thankfully, it doesn't. Like, I, I'm the eternal optimist. I will take only positives away from spring um, unless some guy gets hurt, which, you know, knock on wood, it seems like they're really, really healthy coming out of spring right now. Um, but I'm not just concerned just yet. I think there's a lot of things they can work through throughout the course of the summer. Franklin made the note that they really can't get enough. You know, they can't throw the ball enough. They can't get enough reps on air. Uh, and it's good that they have a lot of time now to sort everything, yeah. everything out. So it'll be an interesting summer to say the least. But as far as a glimpse into one of 15 spring practices, like there was, there was a lot for me to take away. Like I, I took a couple notes down in my phone. When I was watching the game and there's two big things that I want to make sure I hit on. And that's Landon Tangwall not only played, but he played the entire game and looked confident and comfortable. Like, did yeah. you expect Tangwall to come out there and play that many reps? Yeah. But it seems like a lot of vets are getting the veteran spring. Well, the, the thing is the guy next, the way to talk about Tangwall's it's kind of hard to separate him from the guy who lines up at left tackle, which is Olu Fashani, because both of them were starters right. on the offensive line last year. Both of them suffered injuries that ended their seasons last year. And coming into the game, uh, I believe Olu was listed on uh, the offensive. Yeah, he was listed on the blue team's roster, but he didn't actually play. He was, he was so in uniform. It is interesting. Yeah. He was in uniform. Yeah. And I don't think it was, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like what the hell can we learn from Olu Fashanu? But like the guy's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick next year. There's all, there's only so much we can learn. And if they want to hold his hand, considering he's coming through an injury, coming off of an injury, I'm totally fine with that. Tangwall, if they wanted to do the exact same thing, I would have been completely fine with that, but he looked impressive. He looked we still don't totally know. I don't believe it was ever announced what his injury was. Uh, am I correct there? Or am I just misremembering? I, I never saw anything formally. Yeah. So we don't know what his injury was. We don't know if he had a, you know, did he have to have some kind of major surgery? Did he have some, get something cleaned up? Is it just a rehab job? Like all those things, all that matters is that he went out there, he played the entire game and he looked comfortable, which is a big thing for me because I'm a, Tangwall was really up and down last year. There were moments where he looked like a starting guard in the Big Ten. There were moments where 
eh, you know, not great, but he's a young guy who got forced into duty as a true freshman. He wasn't necessarily going up against the 86 Bears. He was going up against Caleb Artis, Sam Siapa, Jordan Vandenberg, a defensive tackle, uh, Amin Vanover, Andrew Sharga, Zariah Fisher, and guy we're going to talk about deny Dennis Sutton at defensive end. Uh, but yes. all you could do is look good considering who your competition is, and I thought he looked really good. Yeah, and then I'm glad you called out Zariah Fisher. He was the other one. I just wanted to make sure we hit on that at the top. Cool. To see him play a lot was a really good sign. Like, I know he was cleared towards the end of the season, but he never really yeah. got in outside of blowouts. Um, it felt, like, very controlled. I, I'm really happy that he was able to go out there. He made a good tackle on, I think, like a, an attempted jet sweep on Tyler Johnson, which was good to yeah. see him have that just lateral movement. Up. Uh, so just just two guys I want to make sure I call out is is Teng Wallen's oh, and uh, Zariah Fisher for getting out there. And it, it wasn't even lateral movement. It was it wasn't even lateral movement so much as like it's what you want out of a defensive end when a team is trying to run yeah. off tackle, which is he diagnosed it immediately. He cut off any and all angles, and Johnson was just dead to rights. Like you don't want to you don't want to say that one play is evidence of anything, but it's a glimpse at what a guy that everyone was high on after his freshman season, he suffers the Achilles injury. He plays barely at all down the stretch last year. So it was really good to see him get that moment and see him flash something that Penn state's not going to need any help at defensive end this year, but you know, worse comes to worse. Zariah Fisher's on the field. Again, we'll keep coming back to this all year. It's a third and 10 Ohio state has the ball uh, two minutes left, they're driving to try and win the game. As Uriah Fisher has to pin his ears back and get to whomever's going to be Ohio State's quarterback, you know, I'd prefer somebody else, but I'd feel confident if he's out there. Yeah, I think he can definitely go out there. Uh, and Bill, let's let's go right in. Let's talk about this Penn State offense. We can talk about it, you know, in both the, the blue sure. and the white terms of it all. What did you like? What didn't you like? Do you want to go position by position? What are you thinking here? Well, let's let's get what I'd say is the easiest one out of the way. The two easiest ones. Offensive line, I didn't think they had a great day. I also think that, um, again, Penn State's defense is way far ahead of its offense. Just as a general thing, they didn't have Olu in there. They're breaking it. Like, there are a million different reasons why. Penn State's offensive line was not going to have a good day on uh, on Saturday. I don't necessarily think that's reason for concern. And then you move to the running backs, the people most impacted by that. I Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, as long as their ACLs and MCLs and Achilles tendons and calves and quads and everything else are intact coming out of the game, I do not care. I, I don't care they about nothing to prove yeah, at yeah. all in this game. Yeah, I don't care. Like, it was great seeing Tank Smith run the ball uh, a little bit out there. It was, you know, great seeing Emil Davis look like he had a little bit of birth. Ultimately, I just cannot bring myself to care about basically anything with Penn State's running attack from this game. What would you say? Okay. Uh, one thing I will say I was actually really fascinated with is how much Catron Allen played and how. A couple of plays, he was split out wide as the closest eligible receiver to the boundary. Like that was or the sideline, whatever you want to call it. That was surprising. I don't know if that's a yeah. renewed focus this year. I mean, Allen was a pretty good receiver 
as a uh, as a true freshman, but they motioned him out a lot. Like, I don't know if that was by design, but you know, did I need to see it? No. Am I glad I got to see it? Yeah. And that's, and also Tyler Holsworth, I want to give him a shout out. You could tell he was a receiver at one point in his career because he caught a couple of nice balls down the stretch from, uh, from Bo Prevula on that last drive or two. Yeah. Again, there is nothing that I can say about the running backs, about the run blocking, about anything like that, that, makes me more concerned or less concerned. Like I I truly do not care. And they have, you know, when you look at all these other guys, it was really good seeing that Emil Davis and Tank Smith were guys who uh, got some run. It's not going to matter when Trey Potts gets on campus respect, you know, respectfully to them. Uh, Well, let's just talk about the quarterbacks, Matt, because uh, I think in the grand scheme of this game, the thing that matters the matters the most, to whatever extent something matters from a spring game, is the play of Drew Aller. I'm kind of throwing out uh, Bo Prabula, basically everything from the white team and their passing game. Uh, Bo Prabula threw 22 passes, seven, Jackson Smollick threw one, seven for 23, 56 yards, one interception for the white team. Blue team passing. I don't want to just straight up say Drew Aller is Penn State's starting quarterback. I know James Franklin doesn't want to say that, whatever. The blue team, the team with all the starters on it, threw 35 passes, Drew Auer threw 30 of them. He was 19 for 30, 202 yards, one touchdown, uh, completed 63% of his passes. Bo Prabula, three for five, 36 yards, 60% of his passes. I didn't think, and you can correct me if you think this is wrong, Matt, I didn't think Drew Auer had that great of a game. I thought he was okay. Uh, I thought that... Um, I, 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 I didn't think he did anything that made me come out of this thinking, boom, Penn State's got their guy. They're winning a national championship because Drew Aller is their starting quarterback. And frankly, I think that's fine. There's a reason he was the backup last season. There is a reason that they decided they needed to hold his hand and help really prioritize his growth as a quarterback. And I think we saw some of that here. He, There were moments where, like, the touchdown pass to Omari Evans. He looked through his progressions. I think Evans was his third read uh, on that throw, saw him, fires in a strike. And then there are times where, you know, he's just not putting yeah. a ball where it needs to, not giving his guys chances to make plays. Uh, there was the, I think it was the throw right before uh, the touchdown. He had one to catch Ron Allen where he just missed him. He missed him in a way where, if he completes it, Allen's walking into the end zone. And I say all that to say this. Ultimately, I think that's fine. In a way, like, I'm fine with Drew Aller not having this box office spring game where everyone is immediately anointing him, uh, both here on podcasts or in the Penn State media sphere, in the national media sphere. You know, if you read his Instagram comments, all, all that stuff. After this was over... There were two things that stuck out. One, there was the quote that James Franklin gave about how we cannot throw enough between now and the West Virginia game. Great. But then there's what Drew Aller said. And uh, this quote comes via Nick Schultz of On3. First and foremost, everything Aller said of what he wants to improve. Because you can never be too good or too prepared for anything. But I would say... Just getting with the receivers, tight ends, and running backs. Really nailing down the fundamentals of our passing scheme. Because really... We can take the pass scheme as far as we want to go, but we really have to put the work in for that to happen. 
It's going to be a long summer, but it's going to be a really fun summer just grinding with the guys. And Matt, I, you know, hopefully he could have tuned everything out and had that be his mindset, even with a big blue white game. But I think the fact that he, you know, he struggled a bit. It wasn't always looking really easy for him. There was stuff that he missed. There's stuff that could be pointed to on tape by James Franklin, Mike Yersich, and whomever else. I think that's ultimately a good thing for Auer. Like, do, do you think any of this is wrong? Did you watch that and come out of it thinking, um, you know, Drew Aller is not just the guy. Uh, we need to uh, prepare to be in New York the first weekend of December for the Heisman ceremony. We need to prepare to be in Indianapolis uh, for the Big Ten Championship because of him. We could start booking our champion, our uh, college football playoff tickets because Drew Aller is Penn State's quarterback. I'm not ready based on based on the performance we saw on on Saturday. I'm not ready for that reason. I will say though, like 19 for 30 is pretty good against what do you think Bill? Was that the best secondary he's going to face all season, the Penn State one? Well, I mean, I don't, you know, I had this up uh so little inside baseball. We had some technical difficulties and we are currently working through them. Uh but I'm pulling this up right now. You look at the I'm recording on the floor. <laughs> You you look at the guys. I'll give it away. I'll give it away. I, I'm recording on the floor next to trash bags, you, um, and I'm holding my mic in my hand. <laughs> oh God, it's a good thing that Nick uh, is busy with baseball, and none of this is getting put onto YouTube. Uh, it, you look at. I, I, I'm going to disagree just because, like, the guys he was going up against. You know, the safeties, Mackay Flowers, Tyrese Bills, Patrick Williams, KJ Winston, the corners, Storm Duck, George Lavick, uh, Cam Miller, Lamont Payne, Zion Tracy, Elliot Washington. Like, it, he, he wasn't throw. it's not like he was going out there and trying to test Kalen King and Johnny Dixon and Daquan Hardy and Keaton Ellis uh, and Jalen Reed every time out point. there. So I, 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 I will disagree with that a little that that's totally fair. I, I guess I didn't really put that into context. Um, but another thing I want to make sure I call out is he still completed whatever 19 for 30 is percentage wise. I don't know offhand. He did that with 63%. Okay. That that's, that's decent. That's not good enough for what we want from the five star, but that's, that's pretty, that's pretty solid, but he did it without Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren and Dante Cephas. Bill, do you think that's, it's fair to say that could be three of his top five pass catchers this fall? Are those three guys? I, I think I, I think that's fair, but I I, I want to just say something about one thing you just said there, yeah. which was not what we want from the five-star. And I think that Drew Aller is going to be an excellent quarterback for Penn State. And this is not a stars don't matter thing by any stretch of the imagination, but I think saying that he is a five-star and saying that he should be producing like one right away are two very different things. Like I would not be like the fact that he, the, the fact that he didn't always look a hundred percent comfortable out there, especially early on. He, he like, he just did not look in the first half in particular, he did not look like what you think of when you think of a five-star but he did look like someone who threw 30 passes in some sort of college game environment for the first time in his life. And I, I think that for as enthralling and appealing and exciting, he can be, 
he needs a bit more grace and a bit more patience than, well, he's a five-star. He should be able to take care of things right away. That's, I have to think about that because the whole point of the ranking system is to change expectations. I think it's the same thing with like draft picks. Like you want your first round pick to perform better than your fourth round pick. And the five-star system, there's 32 of them to represent the 32 first round picks in the NFL draft. Um, we don't have to get into this right now. Um, I, I totally sure. get your point. I do think we have to maybe reset our expectations a little bit. I'm not saying I don't think Penn State's still not going to be a playoff contender this year. I absolutely do. Like, I'm not yeah. going to change my opinion off the spring game. And I don't think you are either. Um, but I do get yeah, what you're and, saying. And, and I, I think that may have been a poor choice of words on my end. Yeah. No, yeah. for sure. And he, here's my here's my big thing. If we are sitting here talking about how because Drew Hour was that so good in the spring game, Penn State needs to be taken seriously as a national title contender, we'd be out of our goddamn minds. What Drew what this was was we watched someone practice in a slightly more um slightly competitive, more competitive, competitive environment. environment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah then then he's used to. And He's like every young player because, again, at the end of the day, he's still a child. He's still someone to whom this is brand <laughs> new. Where, like, we're like, yeah, he's going to have those moments where you see why he got five stars, but then you also see why he didn't sniff the starting job for Penn State last year. Why they the coaching staff feels they can come into this year saying oh, you know what? This is actually an open competition. We're going to be giving Bo every chance to win this job. We're going to be this, 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 this. There's stuff he needs to work on. Um, I think that there, he, there's stuff that he needs to work on, but there was stuff that we saw out of him as a person as an, with his arm talent, with his intelligence, with his composure, with the stuff that you want out of a quarterback that whenever it all clicks, it wasn't during, obviously it wasn't during uh, spring ball, but whether it's over the summer, whether it's during fall camp, whether it's walking into Beaver Stadium to play West Virginia, whether it's not until midway through this season, he's going to be a really, really good one. I, I would agree. And and I think the bigger story in, in this duo is the pass catchers, but there's two more points. I want to make sure I hit on Aller first, and then we can kind of put that to bed. Um, I ahead. love the calls to roll him out. I think that was great for getting him mm -hmm. a little bit more comfortable, buying him a little more time and showing, I think everybody that he is more mobile with his legs than we realized. I like them rolling the pocket. He has the mm -hmm. arm strength to throw off platform. I thought that was really great to see. And I'm excited. We got to see that. And in a similar vein, I really liked how Aller handled read options. There's one specific play, and yeah, I, I think I actually want to get your thoughts here. So we're all thinking about the read option he had, where he kept it instead of giving it to Katron Allen and denied Dennis Sutton. Literally, ate Katron Allen like he was a sandwich. Like it was, it was a pretty impressive play. I do wonder if because Dennis Sutton is a smart guy and knows he can't hit the quarterback, so just hit the running back no matter what, if that's why it looked, you know, as <laughs> impressive of a read as it was. Um, if, you know, DDS knew this is the only thing that I can actually do on this play is to make this tackle. But that was a very impressive read and a really good ball fake if that was an actual rep where he had to do that. What, what do you think that was? Or am I just reading into things too much? 
I, I mean, I think if Deny Dennis, with, with how Deny Dennis Sutton looked in the game, if he wanted to tackle both of them at the same time, I'm very he confident could he could have pulled yeah. that off. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit to Aller there. I mean, mm-hmm. Dennis Sutton did what he's supposed to do. You're supposed to basically assume that when the quarterback is Drew Aller, that the running back is getting the ball in that situation. But I'm actually glad you brought up how comfortable he looked rolling kind of rolling out and throwing on those kind of design bootleg type things. It was fun. Like I love yeah, those. We're, Parker Washington made a killing on like eight yard digs mm-hmm. with that. And he threw some, I thought our yeah. threw some good balls and those, those are yeah. going to be open this fall. And there's, I'm, I'm kind of in NFL draft. I'm, I'm juggling for the nine to five NFL draft mode and NBA playoff mode. And one thing that I've had to do is watch and I'm certain, please, 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 let me finish the point that I'm going to make here. This is not you, Matt. This is also to all of our listeners. When I watch Anthony Richardson tape, one thing that I notice is it seems like he's a lot more comfortable throwing when he has those designed bootleg things. And it's just he's throwing in rhythm and in a very natural way for him uh, when he's on the move. And I think our when he's doing that kind of stuff that just comes naturally to me, you know, you see with Richardson right now, he's being talked about as a guy who can go number one in the NFL draft based on traits, tools, athleticism, all these sorts of things. And Aller is certainly not that kind of an athlete, but when I see that thing, when I see how easily the ball comes out of his hands in those kinds of situations, it just reminds me of some of these guys who I end up watching who go you know, have some questions about kind of the big picture quarterbacking, but when you're just letting the guy do what comes naturally to him, he is going to make you make a defense pay. And I think we saw some of that with Aller when he's throwing those little bootlegs, when he's, uh, you know, in a situation where he's not just kind of glued to the pocket, when he's allowed to like move around just a little bit, set his feet and throw it. The raw tools are there, and like he mentioned in that quote, it's about the fundamentals at this point with him. Can we do an overrun? We're going to do our one of my favorite podcasts we do in the in the late summer, early fall preseason is our uh, over under predictions. Over under a hundred rushing yards for Drew Aller this year. Mm. Um, how many did Clifford have? Last I want to year? say he had like three hundred. Um, I'm willing to bet he had more than we real, and also like a billion of them last came on year, that one la- run against Michigan. La- last year, Clifford had 176. A uh, year before, 163. But his first two years, uh, 2020, 335, 2019, okay. 402. I'll, okay. uh, I'll, I'll say, I'll say just under. Just be, okay. you know, with sacks being factored in, uh, with sacks being factored in, and with how like young of a quarterback he is, and maybe not having the kind of feel that helps him avoid a couple of those, I'll say mm-hmm. under. All right. I think it's, I'll go over, but closer than the experts may say uh, to Cle- uh, sure. Lee Corso. Sure. So wide receivers, Bill, I, I, the tight ends didn't really do anything all that crazy to me. I think we can kind of put them by the wayside. They were down, you know, TE1 and TE2 and, you know, shout out to yeah. all the guys who stepped up in their absence. But the star of the show was the the hunt for wide receiver three. It's Keandre Lambert Smith as one, Harrison Trey Wallace as two. And two guys specifically flashed for me, Bill. And I think they're the same two guys for you. Amari Uh Evans. And Uh is it fair to call Caden Saunders your favorite player in that 2022 class? (laughs) 
Uh, he's certainly up there. I mean, he's, uh, he's, you know, from a good 15, 20 minutes away from me. I never got a chance to watch him in high school, which I always regretted, but <coughs> excuse me. Last year had a tough freshman year. Uh, seemed like he struggled a bit with what it means to be a college football player uh, compared to being a talented high school player, uh, you know, four-star recruit, all these sorts of things. And with him and Evans, Evans got seven targets on the day. Saunders got eight. You know, I'm not, didn't track where all of them came from. I'm just looking at the box score. My hunch is that out Basically, all of those came by way of Drew Aller. Christian Driver also had seven targets, which really surprised me. Uh, but my guess, all those came by way of Drew Aller, and it's because they're the guys over the, his first year at being at Penn State, he ended up throwing to the most. And whether whether that's heading out into uh, an open field somewhere and throwing the football around, whether that's before, during, after practice, whatever. I think they're I all think early and that, together, too. Saunders and Allard. Uh, yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they all did. So yeah. I'm not surprised because it seems like, you know, you know, uh, last year, Sean Clifford threw the ball the most to Parker Washington, uh, who he's been with forever. Mitchell Tinsley, who was his roommate and Brenton strange, who's been with forever. If I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, therefore that the guys that drew Aller was throwing to the most were Caden Saunders and Omari Evans, Evans, we saw, you know, kind of what we expect out of him and where we expect that next step in his progression to be. Saunders, uh, eight targets, four receptions, 57 yards, only seven yards after the catch. But, like, he just seemed to have a level of comfort about him that it never seemed like he had last year, Matt. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And I I really admire Caden Saunders for being very honest about, like, what year one for him was. This is a bit of a different scenario, but I remember – I want to say it was media day 2017, 2018. And I was talking to John Reed, who is still in the NFL, I believe, with the, with the Falcons, I want to say. And I asked Reed, you know, what it was after his ACL injury, what that year taking that red shirt meant for him. And he just said the game just slowed down like crazy. And that was for yeah. a guy who had already seen the field, like for him to really take that step back and understand what that year meant as a, he would have been a, a fourth year senior at that point when, when I would have been speaking to him. And for, you know, for Saunders to understand what that year meant already, like still in his academic freshman year, I think shows a lot of maturity. So I, I'm rooting hard for, for both those guys, Amari Evans and Caden Saunders, because, you know, two very different stories, you know, the, the converted high school quarterback in Amari Evans and the Columbus native who I don't believe Ohio state really wanted to play receiver. You know, I want both of those guys to have a lot of success and, you know, I, I think that that third battle is going to extend for a long time and once Dante Cephas enter, enters, but I think those two, and then I want to call out Malik McLean. I think it was harder for him to flash yeah. just because he was, yeah. on the, he was on the white squad, but two catches on five targets, pretty good day. Like for what we, what it sounds like McLean is struggling with, it seems like he's really not as far along as they would have liked him to be as a transfer coming into the room for him to go out there and make a couple catches and make a good catch on the first play, I believe of the whites offensive set, like that nice ball from Pribula that he kind of jumped in front of and, and made a good play on. Uh, and then Tyler Johnson with a cool diving catch. I don't know if it would have been a catch in a real game, but that doesn't matter. So a, a yeah. lot of guys got, a lot of guys uh, got I, cool I, moments, 
But I think, you know, if we're going to put him in tiers, I think tier A would be Evans. Tier B would be Saunders. And I'll put Malik McLean in tier C for three guys who stepped up from the receiver position. Yeah, because we kind of talked about this with running back, with the running backs. We're like, there was nothing that Tron Allen and nothing that Nick Singleton could have done that would have impressed me, that would have concerned me, whatever. I'm... With Keandre Lambert-Smith, he could have gone out here and caught 15 balls for 200 yards and four touchdowns, and I'd still say I need to see it consistently week in and week out on the football field because that's always been the question with him. Uh, I, and candidly, I like there was nothing that he really could have done until he gets out there and actually does it on the field. Trey Wallace, you know, a talented player, a guy it seems like they like, but again, like I need to see it with him on the football field. Cause I'm sure in practice, he's great. I'm sure in practice, the guy who is the nuclear athlete who flashed during his, uh, during his redshirt freshman or true sophomore season, whatever it was last year is great. What I needed to see in this game was something out of guys like Evans, like Saunders, like Tyler Johnson, like Christian driver, Anthony Ivy, uh, Malik McLean to a lesser extent, Malik mega, a better example. The guys who have been, been around in Happy Valley and have this golden opportunity ahead of them where we think we know what Penn State's starting wide receiver trio is going to be. It's going to be Wallace. It's going to be Lambert Smith. It's going to be Dante Cephas. And then there's just a big question mark. So who could have been the guy or guys that take advantage of that? And I think you're right. I think it's Evans. I think it's Saunders who hopefully uses as a bit of a springboard to uh, – to something bet bigger and better once fall ball and the season roll around. You you called out Ivy as well in that in that quick little note, right? Because I thought he did some good stuff too. I, I yeah. want to make sure I hit all because the, the spring game, you know, for for how much of a, a how much we like to joke about it not mattering, it means a lot to a lot of these players and guys can guys can flash and, and get their name heard, which I think is always important that we remember that these are college kids and they should be celebrated if they can do cool things. Right. Um, so that was good for him. I hope that that translates. I think he's still maybe a year away. So Bill, I, yeah. I you know, I, just, I know just, I sent over. just, just give us something. That's all we need. Yeah, just exactly. Something. Exactly. Bill, let's go off script from our schedule that I sent over because again, we had to pause our recording for like three hours and I'm sitting on the floor and let, let's change it up a little bit. Give me sure. one player and you cannot use Amari Evans, and you cannot use Caden Saunders, who helped their cause for more playing time on the offense. Um, hmm. I mean, Vega Ioane straight up dunked Kalen King. So I think that, that was going to be my, I have, I have a running notes app um, of just like general thoughts I had on the game. And I wrote, oh my God, Vega is scary. Question mark. How is he this large? Question mark. So that was my note on Veguiwane. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I will say I thought Khalil Dinkins had a nice, you know, a nice, quiet, but solid game. Uh, you know, I don't think he needed to go out there and blow a run. Didn't need to go out there and say, I'm the next Brenton Strange. Two catches, 14 yards on three targets. Looked all right as a blocker. Didn't look out of place physically. So, um you know, I want to. I obviously want to say Evans and Saunders, but when you look at this entire running, this entire skill position core, I think he's probably the guy. Uh, Anthony Ivy also with three catches, twenty-two yards. That was a 
a, a nice little afternoon for him. And, you know, hopefully there are going to be opportunity, probably more opportunities for Ivy, but we've seen Penn State's willing to go deep into the bag when it comes to its tight ends. So one of them. All right. I like that. Mine, mine was going to be Ivy. I wanted to make sure I shouted him out. Um, nice. I think he's a guy who can be, what's realistic, Bill? Wide receiver six, and that's maybe a catch or two a game. That's That can be really important. Like we've seen Penn State have guys deep on their depth chart make big plays in big moments. So good good for guys like that. That was that was cool to see, and I hope he helped his cause a little bit. I like the whole blank slate approach. It seemed like everybody have uh, under Marcus Hagans. It really feels like everybody went out there and got, I think, pretty equal playing time amongst the receivers vying for that last spot. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was any sort of concerted effort to say, you know, oh, God, we need to get a we, we need to get oh, just looking up now, Malik McLean going. No, we need to get Malik Mega going. This is a this is kind of his last chance. We need to get Malik Mega going. Let's make it a point to throw the ball his way 25 times. Like it, it seemed like they just kind of went out there and played football, which is all you can really ask for. Speaking of things you can ask for, Bill, you know what I had somebody ask me? Not at the tailgate that I was at on Saturday, but on Sunday at the brunch I went to. Somebody asked me where I got the t-shirt I was wearing. And I had to respond that was with be my guess. That's so great that you asked, new friend Sam. Shout out to Sam. I got this shirt at homefieldapparel.com. Bill, what do you know about homefieldapparel.com? I'm I'm pr- uh, my girlfriend and I went to uh trivia this past week. What was the team? And name? if I remember um, usually we just go with Christina Aguilera, um, but <laughs> which I, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we went with, oh, uh, no, we went with something else. Um, God, I can't remember. And it's going to actually annoy me. I'm going to text her. And by the time the podcast ends, I'm sure she will remind me. Uh, but I wanted to go with breaking news. Henry Kissinger. Oh, we went with, I wanted to go with breaking news. Henry Kissinger found dead. Um, but instead we went with. Uh, it was a play on Scrappy Doo. Oh, we went, I think we just went with Scrappy Doo found dead in Miami. <laughs> it's a phenomenal ad read. Thank you. Home field. Listen, apparel. I'm, 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 I will personally send this one to Connor at home field because it is the one that is the most appropriate. Anyway, the person was wearing a UNC shirt. It was very nice. Nice. Homefield Apparel, if you do not know, is our podcast sponsor. They make some of the coolest Penn State gear out there today. They have t-shirts, they have crewnecks, they have hoodies. I was repping, like I mentioned, my Penn State, like, like the off-white color with the old school like Lion Shrine logo that I really like. I wore my Tutty shirt the day before, so shout out to that. But Homefield Apparel, for our listeners, they can get 15% off their first order with promo code ROARLIONSROAR at checkout. That's all one word, all caps. They have pretty much every school you can think of under the sun, and they are always adding more. They're working on bomber jackets right now for a lot of schools, and I'm like scouting the game to go to for the fall, and I'm thinking UMass, and that's like prime bomber jacket weather. So fingers crossed Penn State gets one uh, by the time I think October 15th rolls around. But again, 15% off your first order at Homefield with promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all one word, all caps at checkout. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring us. Now back to talking about another very cool thing, Bill. This, this Manny Diaz Penn State defense, uh, I, I don't want to crown them uh, capital E elite after a spring game performance against two 19-year-old <laughs> quarterbacks, but I think I think I'm just about there. Do you uh, do do you think that like 
Drew Shelton, like, I don't know, puked all over, uh, like denied Dennis Sutton's favorite pair of shoes or something. Like why, why do you think denied Dennis Sutton was being that mean to a, a good football player and Drew Shelton? I think denied Dennis Sutton has like tweeting athlete brain where like, if you just tweet enough stuff, yeah. you can just kind of will it into existence. Like denied Dennis Sutton, he, I think tweeted like he's going to be the best defensive end in the country. Um, and if he mm-hmm. plays like he did on Saturday, that will absolutely be the case. Like that dude, that he, dude balled out, man. Like I don't, I've gone back and forth on if enrolling early really matters. Like after we saw DDS and shop and all those guys come in and and make an impact, not getting to campus last January, but after watching him go through a year with the strength staff, like he looks Mm -hmm. like he is one of the most dominant, like in the Abdul Carter, Micah Parsons realm, like physical specimen athlete defender, like, zeitgeist to me so far like that dude looked phenomenal on saturday yeah he's currently listed at 6'5 262 pounds and and he's fast that 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 doesn't look wrong uh yeah he he you he, you you were made me look it up but he reminds me of the tweet where it's like the typical quarterback tweet is this running back tweet is tight end tweet is this and i guess the wide receiver tweet and it just says the enemy speaks kindly and holds a knife and like yeah, if you I like I went through and I went looking for uh the tweet you sent Matt or the tweet you referenced Matt where he said that he's going to end up being the best defensive end in college football. And I think I think there's one where he talks about like how Penn State's going to win a national championship with him. Like all these things He said things, he wants to break according to Matt Millen on the broadcast. First of all, Matt Millen, I I love a fellow Lehigh Valley guy. He cannot pronounce yeah. Denai's first name to save his life. Um it's uh, Denai. It's not Matt, Dan. Matt Matt, Matt Matt Millen is a wonderful Penn Stater, uh, by all accounts, a really exceptional person. Um, I don't think he's going to be calling a lot of games more. He, 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 it it just really, yeah, it just really, it, it, it seems like his best days as a broadcaster are past him, but yeah, like I know what you're going to say. And the thing is, uh, why I went back looking for tweets, there was one where he said the Penn State's career sack record is 33. My number means more to me now. Like, what the hell? He oh, tweeted that when he was like, he tweeted that when he was like 18. I love that. I love that energy. Yeah. Like, that's just a dude who wants to go out there and ball. I will say, Bill, I, we can dive into like, we can continue just fawn over Denied Dennis Sutton if you want. But there's actually something I want to, I want to mention that I wonder if you noticed this too. Amin Vanover was always the dude who never played with his hand in the dirt. Like, that was his role mm. as edge rusher for Penn State. I went back. I watched, I watched some film from last year. It looks like a couple guys like had their hand up, a, you know, not that often. Mm. It looked like a lot of guys for this Penn State defense did not have their hand in the dirt. Like I noticed Chop didn't at one point. DDS didn't at a few points. Adisa didn't at a few points. I wonder if that's a development of we know Penn State will drop defensive ends in coverage if that's like a new wrinkle that the Diaz defense has been installed, like now it's installing more exotic packages to make it even more confusing. I wonder if that's a byproduct of that because that's like a little thing that maybe means nothing. And again, it's spring ball. So we're latching onto anything we can talk about, but I wonder, I wonder where you fall in that. Do you think that's, that's more than just a stance at this point, or do you think that's a sign of things to come? Yeah. I mean, I, that you, what you're saying reminds me of a lot of the times when I'd watched the Ravens over the last couple of years. And 
you know, sometimes they'll have that a, a big nose tackle, a big one technique, three technique, whatever in there. And then everyone else around the line of scrimmage is just standing up and you don't know where the pressure is coming from. It, you're trying to confuse. If you can win before the snap, especially, you know, look down the road a little bit, especially going against Ohio State in Columbus when it's going to be one of Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, guys who have never really been in that that kind of situation against a defense that ferocious. You want to be plays. able to – what's that? Who's calling plays? I don't know. Uh We'll, 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 we won't touch that one. Uh, but yeah, you having as many little wrinkles in your defense as possible. So you're not just going with, okay, we have our two defensive tackles, our two edges. Uh, we're going to have a pair of linebackers and a nickel corner back in. Cool. We're done. Like, obviously, if you can beat an opposing team with that, that's great. But with how much Manny Diaz loves pressure, with how much he loves havoc plays, with how much... He loves making you second guess what is happening before it happens. I think having a defense where, you know, you're going to have Hakeem B. No, not H- Hakeem B. Uh, Devon Ellis in a defensive tackle. And then you're going to have six guys around him standing up and you don't know where the pressure's coming from. And, oh God, it looks like uh, Carter is showing something and Jacobs is going to be dropping back into coverage, but are they trying to confuse me? And why is uh, Robinson standing up when he usually has his hand in the dirt? All these little things, if they turn into something wonderful, if they don't, at least you know you have that as a thing you could potentially go to. It's great. I am curious if the coaching staff put DDS on the white team as a measuring stick. Like, I think we know, and I think they know what Adisa is. I think we know what Chop is. Do you think this was, all right, Deny, go up against the ones, and if you can perform, like, I know they announced three defensive end as starters for a while. Like, they technically called Luketa, Ebiketti, um, and, oh my goodness, who else would it have been at that point? Um, Tarburton as all starters on the video board. Like, do you think this was Deny Dennis Sutton becoming the third starter at defensive end? I, I think it was probably the best way to get him as many snaps as possible. I mean, oh, you look at point. yeah, that's a great point. You, you look you look at the uh, box score. The white team ran thirty six plays on offense. Blue team ran fifty seven plays on offense. So you were able to give Denise Dennis Sutton as many, a whole lot of reps just by putting him in that situation. So that's probably my guess. But like with how this guy seems like he's able to take little slights and able to take little nuisances and use them as motivation like sure maybe they maybe they were straight up trying to tell him deny we just don't think you're on the level of these guys and then uh you know again don't want to take too terribly much but i think one thing that we can take away that guy fires like a rocket off the line of scrimmage and when you consider what robinson and isaac bring having that as your quote-unquote third defensive end is terrifying I can't even fathom like what like overloading a tackle with Deny Denton Sutton and Abdul Carter would do. Like I I would I would turn around and run the other way. Um, same same point real quick though yeah. for uh, a lot of those reps. I thought I think Jordan Vandenberg and Caleb Artis played pretty well. Like Penn State never really ripped a big running or uh, a big mm-hmm. rushing play. Um, and that's a credit to those guys. Like those guys are fighting for playing time. Those guys are fighting for the staff to not take a guy in the portal to take their their reps this fall and. 
I think they overall played, you know, pretty, pretty decently. I liked what I saw. Yeah. And I, I want to give a shout out to, uh, the top four guys. Well, the top three guys. And then one of the guys who was tied, uh, for the fourth most tackles on the white team, uh, Tony Rojas, KJ Winston, Zariah Fisher, Tamir Robinson. I thought, you know, you can, they took advantage of the opportunity that they were given. We know what Penn State has in a lot of different places, but I think Rojas brings a bit of a different dimension at linebacker as an athlete. Can we talk about him? Yeah, go ahead. So you and I did this podcast a while ago, and we talked about who's going to be red, who's going to be yellow, who's going to be green, and that is all projecting based mostly off recruiting rankings and vibes. Not many dudes have better vibes than Tony Rojas. That dude talks so much smack. And then he backs it up in the best way possible. He's put on, Franklin said, I think close to 30 pounds. Bill, is he, is he, he's a green light for you now at this point. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely say that. I, he, the fact that he's able to fill out, it, it was funny. I, Cause I think Matt Millen, uh, was the one who said like, yeah, James Franklin said he's put on 30 pounds. And my first thought was where the hell did he put it? And yeah, I have no idea where the hell that kid put on 30 pounds, but if he put on 30 pounds, God bless him. He, I don't think he's going to start. I think he could play starter reps. I think he could be that good. I think by the time we get to October, I think we can <clears throat> see a guy who is going to take, take on a very, very big role. Um, and I don't want to. I don't want to also not mention Tamir Robinson, who I think played really well for his first game action in a while. I mm-hmm. want to make sure I give him a shout out too, because yeah, linebacker U is in is in really good hands. That's a yeah, that's be- a really good unit. Yeah, because the other thing is that like Abdul Carter's never coming off the field. Curtis Jenkins is never coming off the field, and like Kobe King's gotten a ton of reps this fall, I mean, this spring with uh, Tyler Elson being out, and I thought he looked like. You know, he was a lot more comfortable and a lot better, and maybe not a lot better, but certainly a lot more comfortable out there as Penn State's no doubt Mike linebacker. So, like, Penn State is in a situation where five, six guys could get good reps at, well, it has its two kind of alpha dogs at linebacker. And then it's just a collection of dudes who can be put in there depending on the game. And I, that's a just an awesome place for them to be. Um, want to mention, you know, I mentioned him a second ago, KJ Winston. Um, Dog. He just flies around out there. He plays man. bigger and than he is. What's what's he listed as? Do you know? I want to say he's six one, and I think he's just a hair under one hundred, under two hundred. Excuse me. Let me double check that. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling it up right here. Uh, you you're you're in, you're in a dark room. I'll I'll be the one who handles this. He's listed at six two two oh four. Okay. So he, he plays. I do think that. he has. Yeah, I mean he he plays like he's two fifteen. Yeah, I'm not going to compare him to fully compare him to Tig Brown yet because like that's about as high of a compliment as I could pay a safety. But he's just always around, and he he didn't have any pass breakups or at least registered ones, which I found a little bit surprising because again he always seemed to be around situations. But he's a really sure tackler, really good at just creating those little bits of havoc and. You know, Matt, it was something we mentioned the last time we did this pod. One concern that I have going into this next season with Penn State safeties is that the bar was set so high the last couple of years 
by the guys like Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown that even a 5 or 10% drop-off in safety play is going to be something that, you know, it, it's not going to kill Penn State by any stretch of the imagination, but it could be a really difficult thing. Like that last little bit could be the difference. But between Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed, Zaki Wheatley, uh, and now what they potentially have in KJ Winston, there are four dudes there who seem like at the bare minimum, they could put together a really, really good season in the back end of the, the back end of the Nittany Lion defense. I think a fifth guy emerged too. Not that the fifth safety is really going to have all that big a role, but Mikai Flowers, I think he played pretty well yeah. for that white squad. Um, again, there's just so much in front of him, uh, but I, I don't feel confident that all of those guys, well, Keaton Ellis is gone after this year anyway, but I don't feel confident that all of those guys will need to stay in college for the entirety of their eligibility. Like, I think bigger things await all four of those guys you just mentioned. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. All right, Bill, that's anything on the corners. I really didn't have much on the corners. What, what can we learn about maybe the best cornerback room in the Big Ten and one of the best ones we've seen at Penn State in a while? Anything, anything major from them? Or any final no, thoughts I mean, in general, actually? Well, well, the, just on the corners, I Penn State breaking in a new quarterback, breaking in a bunch of receivers for whom this is the most run, quote-unquote, most run they're going to get in this kind of a situation uh, up to this point in their career. The corners were always going to overwhelm our the pass catchers what you know no theo johnson no tower warren whatever so i like there's not much you could take away on the corners other than okay these guys are still going to be unbelievable um and a big reason why i think our didn't have a huge game or didn't have you know a great game why they weren't trying to throw the ball deep all that frequently was like what can drew our learn testing Penn State's secondary right now to that extent because that's basically setting him up for failure with how good these guys are. Yeah, I do think that, you know, iron does sharpen iron, and I, and I really do think that going up against these corners and these safeties is preparing not only Drew Aller, but these wide receivers for yeah. the grind and, and for the learning curve they're going to have to um, overcome to become competent in the Big Ten. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Fun Blue White Weekend, as always. Bill, thank you so much for joining me through these technical difficulties, through through me recording uh, on the floor in a tiny room um, while, while the Sixers are currently – they have one, so shout out to the Sixers. They for have the one, process yes. Now and forever. Um, Bill, any, any last final thoughts? Uh, I know it's going to be a little bit of a lull now in the offseason, but we have the NFL draft next week, and uh, we, we will have some fun stuff coming up here, just some fun – debate episodes if you want to call it that we'll, we'll find enough stuff to talk about between now and uh and media days coming up this summer yeah i mean we've uh gotten to one of the big hurdles of the off season has now been cleared now april's over next two months are going to fly by and next thing you know two two and a half months are going to fly by and next thing you know we're going to be in a situation where we're starting to hear that buzz about Okay, stuff's starting to click for Aller because he's gotten those more reps just throwing on his own practicing, getting a grasp of the playbook. Or Cephas is really exciting now that he's back, and Olu looks like Olu. And Tony uh, Rojas looks like a guy who's going to be competing for spots, but it's going to be hard to take away because Abdul Carter looks like 
a, a guy who's going to be unanimous all American. So work that stuff is going to be here faster than um, faster than it always seems like it's going to be here this time of year. Uh, but regardless, first hurdles cleared in the uh, long arduous road that is the off season, and uh, hopefully we get nothing but good news between now and that game against West Virginia. What more can you hope for, Bill? And you and I and our usual crew will be here all summer to talk about it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Roar Lions Roar. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. We'll be having a couple mailbag episodes here in the summer months. So any questions there, tweet at us, DM us on Twitter. But we love to see them in the review section on Apple Podcasts if you can. Be sure to use promo code ROARLIONSROAR at checkout, homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first order. And for my co-host, Bill DeFilippo, I'm Matt Flipovitz. Go State. Let's go, Devils. Put the New York Rangers in the mud.